0: Yeah. Yeah. You guys are crying and I haven't said anything yet. (laughs) You know what you need to know that you may not know? Stuff like that happens around here a lot. And you just don't know about it. You just don't see it. You know why stuff like that happens a lot? Because this is a generous church. We're a generous church. And it's not a, a pat ourselves on the back kind of thing. You know why we're a generous church? is because there's a lot of generous people in this church. And I'm so thankful for the generosity that we get to experience together and be a part of. But you know what? We could be so much more generous than we currently are. And what you just watched and what you just felt and what you just experienced is just just the beginning of what we could do. And that's why we're doing this series Called generous. In fact, to get us all on the same page, I think it would be smart to, to give us a definition. So we have a, a place to start from, a, a working definition. If you look it up, you're going to see something like this Generous means showing a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. More than is necessary or expected going above and beyond, above and beyond what's expected, what's just average or normal or required. We all admire generous people, don't we? The world reveres and admires people that are truly generous. We all like to be around generous people. It's great to have generous friends, isn't it? Yeah, it's much better to have a generous friend than a stingy friend. Yeah, we all love that. And I think deep down, all of us like the idea of being generous. But perhaps we're not sure if it's something we can do. Here's what you need to know. When it comes to being generous, anyone can be and everyone should be. Anyone can be and everyone should be, especially if you call yourself a Christian especially if you call yourself a follower of Jesus. Why? Because you're a follower of Jesus. And if you're following Jesus, who happens to be the most generous person that ever walked the face of the planet, then it would just go without saying. It should be assumed. We should just know this, right? We should just do this. We should be generous. Anyone can be. Everyone should be, especially Christians. But here's the deal. Here's the cool thing. Even if you're not a Christian, this applies to you. Even if you're not a Christian, you could try this. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, or maybe you're not sure you want to be, you're not quite sure where you are on this thing, we're so glad you're here. And I am telling you, I promise you, generosity would be just as transformational in your life and in the lives of people that are close to you as in anybody else's life. So everybody's at the table. For this series, I I think I need to lay some groundwork for us to build from for the next few weeks. So in the next few moments, I'm going to say some things about generosity to help us understand what it is and what it's not and how it works. It's so important to lay a foundation in this series to help us understand that generosity is really a way of life. It's a way of life. It's not a one-time thing, a one-time hit, a one-time moment, a heartfelt experience. It's not just a one-and-done kind of thing. It's not just an event. And yeah, I did that. And yeah, I checked that box. And yeah, I had that experience. No, it's a way of life. It touches all of life. Now, technically, when you talk about generous people or when you do generous things... It typically comes from one or two primary areas of life. And these are big general areas of life. Typically, when we talk about generosity and someone being generous, they're usually generous in the areas of money and time. Money and time. Now, I know there's more categories, but these pretty much touch everything, right? When someone's been generous, a lot of times it has something to do with money. Oh, you didn't have to do that, and they bought you a gift, and you didn't expect that, and you're like, oh, how generous, they bought me. Oh, you didn't have to pay for my lunch, you didn't have to pay for my dinner. Oh, that's amazing, that's, you're so kind. Or you didn't have to pick up my tap. oh, that's, that's great. Thank you so much. You see, it's usually, and money is usually the first place and the most simple act of generosity. But it goes beyond money to time as well. When you're generous with your time and you spend time and you give time to someone, your time, and you listen, and you help them, and specifically, you serve them. When you're generous with your time and you're serving to meet the needs in other people's lives, that's that's a way of life. Hey, and and let me say something else to Christians. If you're a follower of Jesus, listen very, very carefully. You and I, as followers of Jesus, the most generous person that has ever walked the face of the planet, we're his followers, you and I don't get to pick and choose which of these. You you, you may go, hey, man, I'm all about the money, you know, because I'm busy and my time is mine, you know, I'll I'll write a check. No, no. Or you may be saying, yeah, yeah, I'll serve, I'll serve, I'll volunteer, I'll help my neighbor, I'll help, you know, I'll sign up and we'll do all this kind of stuff, but money, no, no, see, things are tight, and I just don't, and I just can't, and oh, no, I won't. No, you and I don't get to pick and choose what parts of our lives the generosity touches, because generous is a way of life. It touches all of life. We don't get a pass. We don't get to pick and choose because we're followers of Jesus, some of you are going, well, and that's why I don't need to be a follower of Jesus. <laughs> you're, you're free to think that. But the benefits far outweigh the sacrifice. It's a way of life. And I know that kind of makes you shake in your shoes. I know that makes you kind of a little nervous and it brings up some anxiety. You know, this whole money and time thing. Because most of us would say we have so little of both. We don't have enough of either. And so what really makes this challenging is to be quite honest the fear that we experience when it comes to our needs. Because the thinking goes like this, if I am generous with my money or if I am generous with my time, I won't have enough left for me. Or I won't have enough left for mine. I won't be able to do what I want to do, what I plan to do, or what other people, like my family, are depending upon me to do. This fear we feel from this whole idea of need. Honestly, I'm not quite sure if we understand what real needs are anymore. Think about it. I mean, there's the basic survival need, right? Food, shelter, water, clothing. That's typically not what most of us are talking about when we're dealing with the fear that comes from not having what we think we need. Most of us, now some of you, maybe, but most of us in America, we're Americans, have so much, so much more than we want to admit we have. Most of us are struggling with this thing of need in regards to cultural need, society needs, social needs, the things that we have been told we need or we feel we need or we see we need because of where we live and who lives around us and the lives that we have chosen to live. True. And a lot of times, those needs cross into the category of wants. So it's hard to kind of differentiate the difference between a need and a want for living in America. I mean, let me put it like this. We could constantly... Focused on you know what other people have, what other people have, what other people have, you know what other people have doesn't determine what you need. Your needs are not determined by what other people have, our needs are not determined by what other people do. I mean, used to back in back in the old days before the internet, and I know there's probably only a handful of you were alive back then because you're so young. guys are so young but if if you've heard about it in the days before the internet, in order to see what other people had, you had to be up close and personal to them. Right? I mean, you did. You, they had to be your neighbor. And so you could look across the street or, or across the yard and see, well look, my neighbor's got a boat and a truck to pull it. <laughs> I don't. right? But now, because of social media, you see what everybody's got. You see what everybody has, which makes you go, man, I, I need that, I need that, I need that. No, those are society, cultural needs that are much more like once. In other words, we need to get very honest and real about what our true needs are, what our real needs are. When we, when we deal with this fear of I need, I need, I need. Now, there's nothing wrong. Let me stop and say this, make this very clear. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. There's nothing wrong with having a boat and a truck to pull it. Nothing wrong with that. But it's the pursuit of those things that can get you in trouble. It's the pursuit of those things in disregard to other more important things. It's, the, it's When that becomes your primary focus is more, bigger, better, nicer, newer, more, bigger, better, nicer, newer, more, bigger, better, nicer, newer, that pursuit takes over and becomes a distraction in your life and then you have to be very careful how you justify the acquiring of the new more better bigger nicer newer it's attention But you know, honestly, what all this comes down to, this this whole thing of money and time, and I'm fearful I'm not going to have enough of what I need. You know what all this really boils down to? Kind of laying a foundation for the rest of the series. This whole generous thing is truly an issue of trust. It's an issue of trust, In fact, trust is such a big deal, and we're only going to be able to touch on it today. Trust is such a big deal when it comes to God and each other that in November this fall, we're going to do an entire series on trust and talk about the challenges of trusting God. God will never fail you. God will never let you down. Do you really think that? Do you really feel that? Is that just something you sing? Because some of you, if you're like me, you're going, I don't know, because God sure did let me down there. It seems like God... Didn't answer my prayer there. And people, you know, talk about trusting people. I can always trust them. Really? Can you? Can can you? Right? What do we do? What do we do? How do we learn to trust people? How do we learn to trust God? We're going to talk about it. But this is an issue of trust. It truly is. Over and over and over again. Let me set it up like this. Over and over and over again in the scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament, God promises to be with us and to provide for us. To be with us and to provide for us to be with you and with me. He's right by our sides. He is involved in our lives and he provides for our needs. And one of the most famous of all of these promises, one of the most popular, one of the most comforting, one of the ones that when you hear people say it, especially if you're a follower of Jesus and you read it or you see it on a sign or you hear somebody say it, something inside of you just goes, oh, is found in the latter part of the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament, written in the first century, and the writer of this letter of Hebrews, towards the end of the letter, in some concluding thoughts, says this For God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. You see what I'm saying? I mean, if you're going through something difficult in life or you're facing a challenge and you see this and you, f- you hear this and it just makes you go, oh, that's good to know. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. I, and some of you are like, well, I don't think that's true. I feel like God has failed me. Well, then be here in November. We're going to talk about that. But just to face value, this, is, this gives you all kinds of warm fuzzies, right? I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. But it wasn't until about two or three years ago that I clued in for the very first time the context of this verse, of this part of the New Testament. This is huge. I don't know how I missed it all these years, and I want to share it with you. When I understood what came before this, a light bulb went on. Well, first of all, I started asking all kinds of questions. What about, what about, what does this mean? And I started wrestling with this, and I want you to wrestle with it with me you got to understand the context for this, what comes before it, before he makes this very comforting promise. So let me show you two. Here it is. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Now, all of my Christian life, I'd never seen those two put together. All my Christian life, this last part here, this part in white at the bottom was always kind of cherry-picked from from this context and used over and people will quote it and all that, but nobody nobody started at the beginning. When you start at the beginning, you go, hmm, that's interesting. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. Why? Because God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So what's up with that? That just seems out of place. Like, why? why would he do that? Here's why. Think about it. When you know God is with you, and when you are absolutely certain that God will never abandon you, when you hold on to that promise, when you know that God is saying, I got you, I got you, then when it comes to money, you don't have to be enslaved to it. You don't have to chase bigger, better, nicer, new, or more. You don't have to chase that. That doesn't have to be the distracting focus of your life. You can be content and satisfied with what you have. Why? Well, you got needs, but God's got you. God knows your needs, and he's right with you. He said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. I got you. So you don't need to worry about loving money, and you don't need to worry about being discontent and more bigger, better, nicer, newer, and letting that distract your life and consume your life. In other words, you are free to be generous. You are free to be like Jesus. You can live like Jesus lived because God is saying, "I got you." And the issue is, do we trust Him to do what He promised to do? Because the second part, we all go, "Oh yeah, God will never fail me. God will never abandon me." This first part, though, we're going to love money, be satisfied. I don't, I don't know if I can trust God enough to take care of me. That's really what we're struggling with. Which is fascinating to me. It's kind of funny and makes you go, "Hmm." this right here. Hey, Christians, listen. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've already put your trust in God with your eternity. <laughs> Think about that. Eternity is big. Eternity is like the biggest thing in your life because it lasts forever, ever, ever, ever. <laughs> yeah. So so get a load of this. We, we have No problem putting our trust in God for our eternity. But we got a whole lot of challenges trusting Him for what happens on earth. Like everything inside of me, it's just like, what? Isn't that odd? Isn't that interesting? You know why? Because we see this, we get distracted by what we see here on earth. It's an issue of trust. It's an issue of trust. The question is, do you trust him? You'll trust him with your eternity. Will you trust him with your needs, with your fear of need, and get honest about need, and go, okay, you got me. You got this. Then I am free to be generous and to follow the example of Jesus because you're going to take care of my needs. Now, for the next few moments, what I want to do is paint a picture for you of what generous people look like, of what a generous person is really like, in hopes that you will see this and you will catch a vision of something and inside of you, you will go, okay, I get it, it's an issue of trust. I want to be that and trust God enough to live like that. That's the kind of life I want to be. I, that's the kind of person I want to become. L- let me just put it like this. For starters, generous people are contagious. Contagious. In the healthy way, like not in the they got cooties or you know they're CDC. Some call somebody. No, no, it's they're contagious. Generous people are contagious their generosity is addicting to them and their generosity becomes addictive to other people around them. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever been around somebody that was truly generous and after spending time with them, you're like, man, what can I do for someone? Oh, this is fun. Oh, this is great. Especially when you're generous with somebody else's time or money, (laughs) right? But it may even get you thinking, what can I do? What can I do? How can I be generous? How can I give? How can I serve? How can I be generous? How can I make this a way of life for me? They don't do it to make a name for themselves. They do it just because it's contagious. You need to know this. Generous people are not only contagious. Generous people live a better life, period. They live a better life. They don't live an easier life. They live a better life. Because sometimes being generous is hard. They live a better life. They don't live a problem free life, but they live a better life. That's just the way it is. Generosity makes life better, it's a better way to live. Do you know that generous people enjoy life more than stingy people do? They just do. Do you know that generous people laugh more than stingy people do? It's a fact. Generous people smile more than stingy people. They have more reason to smile. They're happier than stingy people are. Just to put it bluntly, generous people have more fun and they're less stressed. They're less stressed. You wanna be less stressed? Because the reason you're stressed is counterintuitive. See, it's counterintuitive. The reason you're stressed is you don't have enough money, you don't have enough time. You don't have enough money, you don't have enough time. Fear from needs. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. But wait, God's got you. This is an issue of trust. Are you willing to trust God? you see how all this comes together? And the more I trust, the lower my level of stress gets. And the more I latch on myself and try to control, the higher my stress level gets. Do I really believe that God's got me? Generous people just have more joy. They just do. It reminds me of a story. Please indulge this. This is personal, okay? And I hope you think it's cute, but if not, you should. <laughs> My youngest daughter, Maggie, when she was like four or five, and we just dropped her off at college, by the way, we're adapting to the emptiness. It's pretty sad. Nobody told us it was going to feel this way. It was just like... What did you do in my heart? I'm like I'm grieving at death. It's awful. Thank you for that moment of counseling. I'll be fine. <laughs> Pray for my wife, though. <laughs> She'll be fine, too. She's about four or five. Maggie was four or five, and and Maggie was just party on legs. We, you've probably heard me say that before. That's what we called her. She was just man just a bright sunshine just going everywhere just just blonde curls just oh just bebopping through life and and she just loved to have friends over and we had people in and in our house all the time uh, the church was you know smaller back then and we were trying to get a lot of things going so we spent a lot of one on one time with people things I wish we could do more of now but we can't people in our home a lot so kids were over a lot and so maggie had friends to play with a lot and so but every time without fail one of her little friends would leave. She would give them one of her own toys on the way out. Now, at first, this escaped me, and I realized, man, there's just less to clean up. Maggie, where did your toys go? And she didn't say anything until one evening, I saw some church kids walking out with Maggie's stuff. I'm like, wait a second. You thieves. Stop. I'm sorry, church kids ripping off the pastor's kids. You doing that. Right Maggie says, "Oh no, no, daddy. Oh no, daddy, they need this. They need this, daddy." And so we begin to clue in. And then my genius wife, the amazing mom that she's been, she had an idea. She takes Maggie to go buy a plastic bin, and then she takes her to the dollar store, and she says, "We're going to fill this up. Fill this up, you pick it out. And anything in this bin, Maggie. You can give to anyone at any time for any reason. And to watch the joy explode in this little girl's face, her heart grew. And just so much joy to watch her. Oh, come here with me. You've got to, I've got to give you something. And she would bring them to her bin, and they would pick out something. She'd get so much joy. That's what generous people are like. We could all learn a little bit from little Maggie. Maggie. That's what generous people are like. They just enjoy life a whole lot more. A couple of more. This is huge. Generous people change lives. Generous people change lives. Now I know some of you are thinking, well, I thought only Jesus could change a life, Pastor. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but a lot of times, he uses generous people to do it. He uses generous people to do it. Generous people change lives. Generous giving changes lives. And it'll even change yours, the one who's giving it. Generous serving changes lives. People will never be the same. Not even you. It'll change your life. And it's not really about just meeting people's needs. When you really get into the rhythm and the flow and the habit of generosity, it's not about... Just meeting needs as much as it is brightening someone's day. Lightening their load because you know that's life-changing. You see, when a generous person sees a need, they see an opportunity more than they see a need. They see an opportunity to change someone's life, to influence someone's life, to brighten someone's day, to lighten someone's load, to share the love of Jesus with them. And We all know how transformational the love of Jesus is. Let me just say it like this. Everybody wins. When you're generous, everybody wins. It's counterintuitive because you think if I give my time, they win, I lose. If I give my money, who I give it to wins and I lose. No, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Nobody loses when people are generous. Everybody wins. The people you give to win, you win. The mission of God wins. Everybody wins. And generous people, as if this is not enough, are simply more generous. Like Jesus. They're just more like Jesus. One of the most defining, obvious characteristics of God is his generosity. I mean, just for a highlight, God gave Jesus, Jesus gave his life, and Jesus gives us all we have. You're more like Jesus the more generous you are. And generous people are generous simply because, especially if they're Christians, simply because they're children of a great, big, generous God. Hey, listen, Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, look at me, look at me. Generosity looks good on you, but stinginess looks really bad. Generosity looks really good on you, but stinginess makes other people go, huh, I thought they were a Christian. I thought, aren't they supposed to be following Jesus? That, I mean, that doesn't sound like the Jesus I've read about in history. I mean, I don't know nothing about the Bible, but there's enough recorded about Jesus in history alone. To, wow, that's, that's interesting. That's, people have to reconcile a stingy Christian in their brain because a generous Christ follower makes sense. Christians are better positioned than any other people on the planet to be generous. You know why? Because we're recipients of the love and the grace and the blessings of a great, big, generous God. That's what generous people are like. And as you sit there and contemplate how generous am I, how generous do I want to be, what can I do, To be more generous, those are great questions to wrestle with, but I want to give you a question to focus on. I want to wrap this up with a question, and we're going to do the same thing next week. Come back next week, we're going to end with a different question because questions I'm learning, at least in this season of my life, I'm learning a lot more by asking myself the right questions and wrestling with the right questions than I am just kind of going to the next answer because it's like the right question leads me to the answer that I really need to be focusing on. I don't know if you've experienced that, but I, I, I bet you will. So here's a good question, asking yourself a good question. Before I give you the question, though, let me give you kind of the version of the question that leads us down a wrong path, especially in regards to generosity. Often you and I will, in our prayers to God, say, why have you not given this to me? And then we'll fill in the blank. We'll say, God, why have you not given this to me? They have one, they have that, and God, I've asked. And God, I've prayed and I don't understand because God, if I had what they had, if I had what I'm asking for, then I could be so much more generous. God, you know my heart, you know my heart. God, I don't understand. Why have you not given this to me? And you fill in the blank. Here's the deal. The issue is really not about what you have. It never is about how much you have. It's always about what you do with how much you have. See, we think if I had more, I could do more. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, because Jesus said this. If you can't be faithful with a little, then I can't trust you with more. So the issue is never about how much you have. It's always about what you do with what you have. So that means this is not the right question. The right question is not, why have you not? Why have you not? Why have you not given this to me, God, so I can be more generous? Here's the right question. Why? Have you given this to me? And then you look at all your stuff. Why have you given this to me? Then you look in the mirror. Why have you given this to me? Then you look at your life. See, that's a much better question. Why have you given this to me leads you to other healthy questions like, so God, how can I honor you with this? How can I be more generous with this? God, why have you given me this house, this car, this job? Why have you given me this family, these relationships? Why have you given me these skills? Why have you given me these abilities? Why have you entrusted those things to me? Because I'm looking around and not everybody has them. So you must think I'm capable of being responsible for great good and great generosity. Why have you given this to me? I dare you to ask that question. I challenge you to make that your prayer. Because that changes your whole perspective. Now, when you pray this, you've got to make a better use of your money and a better use of your time. You can't pray this prayer and then do stupid stuff with your money. Right? Because it's just like you gotta make, you got to make changes. You have to make appropriate choices, and you can't do stupid stuff with your time. You only have so much of it, right? You don't have any less. You think God's picking on you, and everybody else has more time than you do. (laughs) No, we all got 24-7, 365. It just depends on what you do with it. It's not about how much time you have. You don't have any more or less than anyone else. It's just how will you use it? Why have you given this to me? Why have you given this to me? This is not an easy question to ask. Because remember, generous people don't live an easier life. They just live a better life. They just live a much, much better life because they think like this. Why have you given this to me? Because ultimately I'm responsible to you for it. It comes down to whether or not you and I are willing to trust God on this earth to take care of us for our heavenly Father to provide for us so that we can live lives of generosity. And for those of you that are waiting, well, I will, and I want to. When I get to this level, when I get to this you know, benchmark, when we get to this, when we get to that, and see, that's the wrong way to approach it. If you're really willing to trust God, then you just start living generously. You just start living that generous way of life and watch God be Faithful to fulfill his promise to say, I will never leave you, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. I got you. So go ahead and be like my son Jesus. Live generously. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for us. Let me pray for me. Father, thank you so much for this challenge. Man, I needed this, because I can get stingy. I can get narrow in my thinking. I can get overwhelmed with what I've convinced myself I need because of what other people have. Help me trust you. So I am free to be generous, just like Jesus was. And as we will see in this series just like Jesus has challenged us to be. With money, with time, with every area of life. I don't get to pick and choose. We don't get to pick and choose what parts of our lives we want to follow Jesus with. It's holistic. So help me remember that. The next time I'm tempted to freeze and hold back and pull back because I'm afraid that I won't have enough, help me to trust you, to be enough and to provide enough. So I'm free to go ahead and be generous. And I ask the same thing for every single person here, especially for Christ followers, people who already say that they're following Jesus. May we actually do what we say we're wanting to do and live generously. And for every person that's not following Jesus yet, may they try it and see that, yes, you're right on another thing, this thing of generosity, And may it draw their hearts closer to trusting you as well. Help me, help us, help us all in this series, starting now. Live a generous way of life. For the sake of Jesus and in his name, amen.